Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. episode of the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders podcast, and we're on season three. And I'm Michael Houle, and I'm here with the legendary Steve McVeigh and Doug Rutledge. He had no adjective <laughs> for me. Doug the speaker Doug, guy. Doug, I was going to say Doug the speaker Doug, guy, but I feel like we've uh, labeled him too long for that. I, uh, I could say I'm uh, Doug the Magnificent. We'll go with that. Yes. Uh, wow. You know, if you are wow. listening to us and you are on Facebook, we would love to have you share our stuff so others can hear it. And if you would have any questions and needs at all, or even prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you as well. You can message us on that Facebook page too. Constructive criticism can go right to Jesus. Pray. He'll hear you. He cares about your thoughts. He does. He does. He does. And you know, we have been, uh, we've been talking a lot about food lately to start our segments, and I wanted to take a divergent path from that. I was wondering... That we've all had, we all had kids that grew up in ministry. What is your favorite pastor's kid story, or as we call them, PKers? That's a tough one, isn't it? Because, like, first of all, I had a deal. Like, if I would preach and use my kids as an illustration, I would say that I would give them a dollar. Wow. Yeah. No, I never did. I never (laughs) did. I mean, you know, integrity didn't matter. Right. I was just, yeah, I'll give them a dollar. Here's an embarrassing story from my kids. Right. It's, it's really hard for me not to go all serious about this because I think my kids are the kids they are today because our congregation actually loved them. Very true. And, and, and knew them. Same here. And knew them. Yeah. Right. And, and knew them. them. Yeah. Because yeah. my one son, my son is like that friendly dog and my daughter is like that Siamese cat. You know, it's just, you, you know, just like she could walk, like we'd have 170 people in church that day. She could walk by all of them and not say a word. My son would talk to everybody. And the congregation loved them both. Now, that's not very funny, is it? I mean, we want to laugh a little bit in these things. It's a but, good story. I, that's a good story. The they raised my kids, and, and, and thank you, Lamont Wesleyan Church, for loving on my kids. Well, that's awesome. I, uh, so Dawn and I raised our kids, which means we have a million stories. But one of this, this just tells you how it goes. So I have three daughters, uh, and my firstborn was an epic illustration. She was a walking, talking, everything she did was a sermon illustration. So typical firstborn, strong-willed, hyper, hyper smart. Um, my second born learned from her and didn't do anything wrong. And my girls will say that. And so my second daughter didn't do anything wrong. And at one point she said, how come all the illustrations are Madison? And I said, because you didn't do anything bad. <laughs> like She was consistently doing the wrong thing. I, I remember one time I spanked her. And, you know, again, if you don't believe in spanking children, then I apologize for the next illustration. 
And I also want to tell you, good luck with your kid. But, <laughs> but my thing, I'm sure there's a good parent out there that didn't. But she uh, deliberately, and she was four years old, she deliberately went over and grabbed something off a shelf. And I don't know if I told this in series in season one or not, but she grabbed something. And then I told her, hey, you know you're not supposed to touch that. And she, she started walking away with it. So I knew it was time for discipline. I spanked her. Um, she walked right back into the same place and grabbed the same thing. I mean, it wasn't 10 seconds. And, and she looked at me like, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, firstborn kid. I think she had a New York, like a Bronx accent. What, what, <laughs> so what are you going to do about it? I'm going to touch this every time. And so I spanked her again and spanked her again and spanked her again. It's the fifth you time. Need to be careful. I work for SRS. Okay. Well, that's okay. I mean, it was in love. But like this kid, this kid was not going to be broken. Right. And she did it again. And I took her into a bedroom and I remember looking at her, I'm just frustrated. And I said to her, I would think that your butt would be tired of this. And she looked at me and she went, I would think your hand would be. <laughs> oh, wow. And I have to share a story. I walked out of the room and I was laughing. I walked out and then came yeah. back and said, I would, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the winner. Um <laughs> I will share a couple pastor kid stories of uh, my two lovelies. Mine were the opposite. The oldest was the good one, and he was one that everybody chat with. My daughter was the quiet one, mm -hmm. and she. Uh, but partway through, she realized um, that she had kind of been a brat, to quote her language, not mine, mm -hmm. when she was in middle school, our youth our youth leader, and she came back one one uh, summer day and said, "I need to." She was at an apology to her. She was literally going from person to person in the church. Sorry for this. I'm like, what motivates you? She goes. Started working at a church, working with the youth and the kids, and I realized that's how the way I acted, and maybe I shouldn't have done that. But my favorite story of pastor's kids is this. I've used a lot of sermon illustrations and stuff, and one day I noticed my daughter in high school was always volunteering in the nursery and, the, and in the kids' rooms. I asked her, I said, you know, when do you get back into Sunday morning into church? And she goes, yeah, can I skip the sermon? I said, I was a little offended. I want to give you a sermon. I go, why? I hear your sermons 24-7 seven days a week. I'd like to take Sunday morning off, Dad, if that's okay. <laughs> so I felt the love of Jesus at that moment oh, man. and the love of my daughter. She says, I love you dearly, Dad, but I do hear your sermons Tough most crowd. of the time. Tough crowd. Tough really crowd. tough crowd. But um, we have been talking about a lot of stuff. We've been talking about the reality of the church where we're currently at. We talked about you know, just living a more what, what a living in the holiness of Christ looks like and the Holy Spirit. We've talked about... Um, just having other people raise our hands as Moses did in Exodus, having people lift his arms. And, you know, we've just, we spent a lot of time reviewing even calling. But today I think we're going to talk a bit of more forward thinking. All this has either been present or past thinking. And I think we really feel this season is a season of doing the good work of Christ, bringing the good news. So with that said, what does the future of the church look like, gentlemen? Like, where are we looking in the next three, five years? Like, I'm a local pastor I want to know, and I have two church experts in front of me, so tell me where, where you Where are they, Mike? I was looking. There's <laughs> he two. advertised it, but he didn't come through. I don't, <laughs> yeah, that's I don't. right. Like, say, say that part about geniuses again. I want to hit the laugh track on this. I'm not going to. All right. I'll be kind. So tell me, gentlemen, like, where do you see the church going in the next three to five years? Because I think everybody's kind of wondering, and especially rural, rural churches. Where, where are we headed? Yeah, well, let's just confess, first of all. Yeah. That we don't know. Right. I mean, what? I, yeah, we don't. I, I, oh. 
I, uh, you know, I get to hear a lot of different people speak. I heard a megachurch pastor, someone who pastors uh, a church pre-COVID that was 16, 17,000 people. And, and this pastor was transparent enough to say, we really don't know what we're doing next. And so I'm willing to yeah. give you some thoughts about what I see happening. And I would love to, to just bring that perspective. But there's a part of this that, you know what, 18 months ago, I would have never predicted any of this. Yeah. So I want to be sh- I want to be really clear with you. I'm not prophesying. I am just predicting. There is a difference. I don't want to get stoned at the end of the broadcast. Um, you Correct. know, I might be wrong about these things. Right. And I think we have space for that. And I, th- I think the reality, I think for all of us, is I think we just want to have a general idea of like for what we should be focused on. Because the whole point of a future thinking isn't so much "thus says the Lord" here, but I think for myself personally and others, like like what next step should we be taking? You know what? You know what should we be caring about for the next yeah. three years? Yeah, I don't. He, so here's the interesting thing: I don't think we have to be uh, prophetic in saying this is where we think it's going, yeah. uh, because we have history, and history has demonstrated uh, to us some patterns that I think are still in play. Uh, so, for instance, when the missionary light goes out in a community in a in a country, uh, it never returns to that country; it goes to another country. And we've seen that. We've seen it, you know, move from country to country. And now currently uh, it's in South Korea, one of the greatest sending countries in the world. Mm -hmm. It's not the United States. They're sending missionaries to our country. The the second thing that I think is uh, really important to say is that there are always two sides to every prognostication, even in Scripture. I believe that prophets were speaking, but they were speaking into the hope of a return to Christ, uh, a return to God in the Old Testament. And that would alter the course. And God can relent on, if we're going to say judgment in this case, and I know, Steve, you hesitate. But what if God is saying to uh, to the church in the United States, you've had it good for a long time, and I've been calling you back for years. Yeah. Maybe it's time to listen. I, I don't, that's not a harsh judgment and it's not a hard statement. It's just a, a realization that if we're going to prognosticate, there are two ways of looking at this. That number one, if we return to Christ, if we, if we pour ourselves out before him and say, Lord, we desire you in all of this, then the, then the future of the United States could look very different than it does in the immediate future without any change. All right, yeah. Yeah, I think the big thing that if I'm a local pastor, though, I can't remember what the future of my community, which is true. I mean, I agree to the local, mm-hmm. like the larger level, but I think for the question, I think that they're probably all asking, and maybe I'm wrong, I could be, I'm just speaking as one local pastor, tell me like what you think my reality looks like now. So shift number one, in my opinion, yeah. my, yes. the, the trend that we see happening, is that there is a basic recognition that our focus had sort of left true discipleship and had turned to sort of like church growth. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like the job of the pastor was to build an organization. We called it the church and then took every word in the New Testament that included the word congregation, which we translated as church, and okay, so everything was about Sunday morning worship experience, doing it well. I mean, all the church growth stuff. I think if I'm going to be bold, the blessings of God have left that model. And what we're seeing 
is God leading us to become shepherds who make disciples, make congregations, not organizations. And, yeah. and so it really gets difficult because I don't want to give in and say Satan's won the day, but we're going to see churches close that maybe weren't producing any disciples in the first place. And, and so I see this shift from building an organization to, to actually making disciples who make disciples who make disciples and not worrying about the organization that follows it. So I just wanted to stipulate a difference here. Uh, so we're, you used the word that God is maybe uh, the blessing has left this model of super effectiveness. And I would say maybe, maybe we call that blessing, maybe we don't, but the effectiveness has left. Yeah. So the effectiveness is definitely not what it has been. And I, I just I just wanted to speak into that for a second. That's that's Okay, I was gonna say the one thing about it is I'm not sure it was ever effective. And I don't mean to be cruel about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. how we how we actually base I think Jesus is a whole different metric system of what we're supposed to be doing in terms of values and results and goals and the, than the Western world does. Sure. And, and, I th- and I don't mean it in a bad way because I think there's some really healthy large churches. There's some really healthy small churches. There's some really unhealthy large churches. There's some really unhealthy small churches. Just because you're small or large doesn't make you healthy or unhealthy. But I think based on are you making disciples or not, and, and then truly being the understanding that doesn't excuse you of not evangelizing people because that's the first step and m- most important step in discipleship is at some point they have to know Jesus. And I, and I think we need to be careful how we define those things and make sure as we're talking about these, just personal, put some guardrails on this for people that are listening, that those are things we're talking about. And so I really think any model that didn't have discipleship, was it ever really effective anyways? That's a great question. Yeah, it is a great question. So that's a shift that I see. What do you guys, I mean, what, what shifts are you seeing? So, uh, again, the resident youth guy here, I will tell you that what I am seeing as a result of all of this has been a deeper hunger for the things of God from my students. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had this conversation uh, at Crossroads a number of times where we see students, maybe the numbers are down. Uh, they're not significantly down for us. There's, they're down a little bit, but it's not that. It's that uh, we have maybe more boldly spoken into the desperate hunger that students have for the real things of God. This isn't a five-year, three-year, two-year prognostication. All I'm saying is that we're noticing kids are like, we are hungry for the real thing. Um, And maybe the absence of church, that it was more difficult for some churches, but in rural communities, we haven't canceled all our church services. I mean, you know, we've canceled some, and we did, you know, we did what we had to do to survive. But maybe that lack of church has made the heart fonder for the things of God. They realize they need the body. We still need the body. Or the other way. I mean, for those who were at church for something other than the things of God, there's been a falling away. Yeah. Camping's better. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, if honestly, if it wasn't meeting a spiritual need, if you were not... If you were there because you were culturally sort of expected to be there, that now has been removed. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free from church. You know, I mean, so so the people who are here want to be here. Maybe that's something that we see. Or maybe the reality is maybe it's not all about Sunday morning either. And I think that's a possibility too in that. I'm just going to be honest. I think the trend that that reality, I think, for a lot of rural pastors, and, I, I, and you guys can tell me if I missed the boat on this or not, is investment in the kingdom of God for the community at large. And meeting your community around you now 
a lot of local, local rural pastors I know do a fantastic job of this. They really do. I'm not going to like uh, critique them on this because I've seen a lot of them do great work. But I think the focus has to really shift. And I think there's a reality of what our communities now look like compared to what they used to look like. I think COVID sped things up. Here's what I mean. I think the addiction issues, in particular when it comes to drugs and alcohol, um, have ra ramped up exponentially over the last year and a half. I would say even mental health and depression and uh, rates of suicide have exponentially grown in the last year and a half, knowing that I don't think that's going to slow down, folks. Mm. And I think the family unit has become more valued in a different way. I feel like you're not by grandma and grandpa anymore, or you are, but you've been disconnected because of the reality of what's happened. Mm. And families are now asking the question, how do I do life together? How does that look? And I think families and the broken and the addictionist issues, I think in our communities are exponentially higher than they were. And I don't think that's going to come back to any leveling point. I think what we're going to see instead of, you know, I, I like to speak into what the potential is here. And I think that we, we're going to deal with the realities, which means we're going to have to just find new ways of ministering to people that we don't know yet. This, this is not a new scenario. We're not talking about groundbreaking, earth-shattering, brand new thought. Everybody wants to get together in a think tank and create a new model of ministry. Hey, Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it now, he would be successful as well. I mean, the, the bottom line is... You know, That's surprising. Yeah, I know, okay. right? So if Jesus did it, and granted, his method was not grow a big flock. His method was actually whittle it down and then empower those people to make changes in, in when you're gone. So I think that that's the, sta the statement. Double down on discipleship. I think we have to see it. I think we have to redefine discipleship, and that's going to happen in the next five years. I, and I think that comes into community. Because if you're going to outreach, you're going to evangelize your community, you have to prove value in a practical way. I, I think what... what the next generation is looking for, and I think what our culture is looking for personally is to see a real experience of God, but they start with real practical things, right? So if we're helping those, the addiction issues and addressing and dealing with that, if we're helping those families that have issues, in a way, it's, you're not adding things to your plate. You're doing what you normally do, but you're now seeing it from a different lens, which I think is important to frame. And I think if you, you've been investing, most pastors have been going to Friday night football games. Most pastors, I hope locally you are, going to that you know, community event. But taking from the lens of understanding like what your people are really experiencing is something very different um, than it was five years ago or three years ago. Yeah, and I think, so what the church does is going to have to change. So let me just, I have three plates spinning here, and mm -hmm. I want to sort yeah, of, yeah. Yes. We the two of them will the two plates will turn into what I'm talking about. So here I am, I'm a, I'm a pastor in a small town and finances aren't right. really going my way. And the reality is, is that you asked me one of the things that's going to happen in the future is we're going to have more and more co-vocational co pastors. At the same time, you were talking about addictions. We're having like this, society is falling apart oh, man. and the yeah. need for ministry is greater than it's ever been. So any church that could pull off a successful addictions ministry is going to be successful today. But guess what that takes? Time, 
lots of time. I mean, you know, true addictions ministry is an investment in the broken. And so here I am a pastor, just to put it out there. I am a pastor who believes that I'm probably going to have to go co-vocational and work more. But at the same time, there's more work to be done in the church than ever. And so in the future, the church that gathers on Sunday as a hub where they're coming together to to get ready to go out and serve the world and we're going to serve together and we are going to, you know, we're all ministers. Everybody plays is something, Michael, that you said uh, a couple podcasts ago. The only way that the church is going to survive what's coming at it is if everybody becomes a minister and Sunday morning isn't about us receiving a service, but us about huddling to spur one another on towards and, and love and good deeds. It becomes a celebration of the week. It becomes a motivation for the next week. It becomes a reality of that. And I think once we start to take that different perspective and we start passing the kingdom value of that for our community, you become the light in the darkness. You become the light that shines. And when that happens, that in the next forward thinking for the next three years is what's going to have to happen. I, I believe really what I do truly believe, and this is maybe my opinion, this might be the Holy Spirit, but I truly believe churches that don't invest in their community yeah. in the next three to five years will not exist three to five years after that. So um, I think we should come back to this and, and uh, you know, in two weeks, come back with this same concept and talk about it a little bit more uh, because I think we've scratched the surface on a lot of things and we've told pastors here, here's the next amount of work that you have to do more of. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. And, and they'd go, ah. Uh, yeah. And I by the way, go get a job. Before the podcast, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And before go get a job. Before and, you're yeah. and, and go work two or three more jobs. Yeah. yeah. So uh, can we come back to this uh, in two weeks? Absolutely. I think that's going to be really valuable. I think, I think, I don't know, as I'm processing something, well, how do I do all this? And I think there's some things that we can talk about that are really real and practical that can help you on your journey and help us on our journey as well. I think we're all on a journey together. We're yeah. all figuring this out. We are the, the we're, we've never left the church of acts ever for the record. Like we just thought we knew what we were doing, but we really didn't. And we're just on a new part reality that we're now aware yeah. that we don't know. Yeah. yeah. We're in acts 30. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say acts 29, but that's probably copyrighted. So yeah, we're, we're in acts 30. <laughs> that's, that's nice. I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad you joined us today. I hope it was worth your time. I know it was for us. I always gain knowledge and wisdom from these two gentlemen um, sitting across from me. I hope you did as well. I hope you're going to have a great week. I hope you enjoy the experience of God in your life, and we'll see you down the road. Um, one last thing, shout out to Leanne, our producer, and our narrator, Carl Miller. They are amazing people for doing what they're doing, and we hope you have a great day. Take care. Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. 
CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com. For more information about the circuit riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.